you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Yeah, our series we're going through now is um, Past Perfect. I get the fantastic opportunity of kicking off this series. Uh, it's Past Perfect. Basically, the, the synopsis of this series, it's God's, God's promises of the past made perfect through Jesus. So, give me a second. Woo! Praise God. We need a basic knowledge of our identity, of the identity of who Jesus is, in order to fully understand our own salvation, or even the gospel itself. Um, a lot of times, if, if, you'll ask a, if you'll ask a stranger, hey, what, what do you think the gospel is? You'll get this kind of really satirical picture of, oh, it's some magic guy who was born of a virgin, and then, you know, died and came back to life and says, don't be gay. And that's, that's sadly the image of the gospel that so many people get. And it's, it, um, so, so even, even a lot of Christians, sometimes we don't even fully understand the gospel. And so to fully understand the gospel, we have to kind of understand who Jesus is, right? You guys with me on that one? And so I'm going to explain to you guys Jesus as the Passover lamb. Now you might be asking, what kind of is the Passover lamb? The Passover lamb is this, is this picture that's so deeply rooted in Jewish culture it's like saying Jesus is the Passover Scots, or if you're younger, Jesus is the Passover Foci. You know, it's kind of just this cultural thing that doesn't make sense if you're not from that culture. All right, so the Passover lamb. Let's see if we can pull up First Corinthians. If you, if in your Bibles, you can turn to First Corinthians five seven. And it uh, cleanse out the old leavens that you may be, new, uh, may be a new lump, as you really are in leaven. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. We're going to be focusing on that last sentence there. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And like I said, it's a picture kind of rooted in, in Hebrew culture. So we have to get in our time machine and go back in time to fully understand what this means. And so I'm going to tell you guys the story of Exodus. Um, I'm sure you guys have all heard of Exodus, Gods and Kings, the movie with Christian Bale. I can promise you this story is almost nothing like that. <laughs> uh, if you've seen The Prince of Egypt, the movie that came out when I was a kid, which kind of shows how young I am, uh, it's a little more like that. So basically what happens, I'll set the backstory for this, is the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, the Israelites, are, are slaves in Egypt, Right, So Joseph brought them into Egypt, and then over time, things started changing, and eventually there became a pharaoh, and he's like, I don't even know what the Israelites are doing here. Let's just make them slaves. And so the Hebrews became slaves to the Egyptians. And so this, this has been happening for hundreds of years, and then eventually God raises up a leader named Moses. And this guy Moses, God says to him, Moses, it's time for you to lead my people out of Egypt. And so Moses goes into Egypt, and he, he talks to the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh is like, no, I'm not going to let you take the people out of Egypt. And so what, what happens is God sends 10 plagues as a sign of his power to the Pharaoh. And this is just a fun fact. Those 10 plagues are actually significant because it shows God's sovereignty over uh, the deities of Egypt. I'm sure you guys remember some of the plagues. There is blood, frogs, lice, ooh, all sorts of gross things. Um, and so God really, he, he showed his power through this. And so, but the last plague that, and the one we're going to focus on today is um, the death of the firstborn sons, right? So basically, there's, 
there is this celebration that the Hebrews have. It's called Passover. And this is what it's rooted in, is God came over and, and he said to the Pharaoh, he said, I'm going to take, if you don't let my people go, I'm going to take every firstborn son from every family. How many of you are firstborn sons? Ooh. Ooh, you guys are dead. Sorry. <laughs> Middle children. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, so God said, I'm going to take the firstborn from every house, the firstborn son from every household. And no one's going to be spared. From the highest of the high to the lowest of the low, every house is going to have their firstborn son die. And so, but, but God knows, because the Israelites are in Egypt and they're the slaves, so God knows at this time, I'm going to provide a way for, the, for my people to be saved. And so basically the story of it is, is they had to take this, this lamb, this Passover lamb, and they'd sacrifice this lamb, and they'd, they'd take the blood of the lamb, uh, the, it's kind of a cultural thing, they'd sacrifice the lamb, take the blood of it, they'd sprinkle it on the, on the top, the left, and the right of, of their doorposts. And so this kind of shows that when the, the Spirit of God passed over the, their land, if he saw that there was blood on their doorpost, he would pass over their house, and they'd be okay. There we get the term Passover. And so this lamb, this sacrificed lamb, is, is kind of this picture of a Passover lamb. And so in, in 1 Corinthians, when Paul is explaining the Passover lamb, this is kind of that picture he's trying to paint. He's trying to paint this picture of a lamb that's been sacrificed so that in a household they can be saved. Does that make sense? You guys with me? Awesome. And so this story kind of shows us three needs, uh, three basic needs. Um, these needs aren't so much uh, the needs of having a Passover lamb itself, but kind of the needs of Jesus being the Passover lamb. How many of us know that the same God that was in, in Egypt at that time is the same God now, right? Yeah. Which unfortunately means the same rules that they had in Egypt are the same things that we have now. If you, if you look later down the line, Moses will write the Ten Commandments. Those same Ten Commandments that we had then are the same Ten Commandments we have now. And even deeper, the more unfortunate thing is, back when Adam and Eve were in, in the garden and stuff, that same sin that they have is very unfortunately the same sin that we have now. It's, it's a really sad truth and it's a sad fact that we just can't escape this fact that all throughout history, this thing has been following us, this, this sin that has been following us. And Paul even goes, goes further to explain that in Romans, we're a slave to this sin. And so the first need is the need for, the need for a savior, we're slaves, much like the Hebrews were slaves to the Egyptians, we were slaves to sin. There's no way we could have gotten out of it. The Hebrews couldn't have just left Egypt. In the same way, we can't just leave sin. Uh, we can be as good a person as possible. You can donate everything you have to charity. You can help the poor. You can, you can uh, I don't know, good stuff. You can give children candy for fun in church or something. I don't know. I don't know what you guys do. Um, but the sad fact is we can't escape this sin. This sin has been following us and it's ensnared us. And so we've, we've had this kind of trapping that we're stuck in this. We're, we're doing the same cycle that we're, we're going through and it's like, oh man, I did sin earlier today. God, I, forgive me, blah, 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 stuff like that right back into the sin. Oh man, I did it again. Oh, forgive me, God, blah, blah, blah. And then we're right back into this sin. And it's, it's this awful cycle. Because the sad fact is that we're slaves to this. 
There's no way that we can get out of Egypt. Just like the Hebrews couldn't get out of Egypt at the time, we were stuck in this, in this, in this slavery. Which brings us to our second need, and that second need is the need for a savior. Or the need for, okay, first is the need for a savior. Whew, praise God. Second is the need for a sacrifice. Just like, just like in the Hebrews in Egypt, God, is gonna, God, God passed over, and, and there's going to be a time when God passes over and there's, there's judgment. It's just an unfortunate fact that we kind of have to face sometimes. There's going to be judgment at some point, just like in the Hebrew times. God was going to pass over and there's judgment. And so the only way that we can be saved is if we have this sacrificed lamb sprinkled on our doorpost. And in the same way, Jesus came as this sacrificed lamb that 2,000-something years ago, maybe a little under 2,000 God sent his one and only son to die for us. It says in the Bible that the wages of sin is death. And so if we're in slavery to sin, that means the only outcome can unfortunately be death. It's a very sad, unfortunate fact. Good people are going to die. And, and there's, there's no connecting with God. But the beauty of it is, the gift of God is eternal life. That while we were still sinners... Christ sent his son to die for us, that we can be with him. That while we were still slaves to this sin, that while we were still slaves in Egypt, while we couldn't get out of it on our own, Christ sent his own son to die for us. How many of you would send your son to die for someone else? I'm assuming no one. I really hope no one. We live in a different culture. (laughs) But God's love is so great that he sent his own son that we can come to know him. And that's where that sacrifice comes in, that sacrifice lamb. And so the awful thing is we can't, we can't escape our sin. But the beautiful thing is that we have a way out, that God has given us this way out. And not only that, he's given us this way out that we can commune with him, that we can be with him, that we can, we can love with him, we can worship with him. The worship this morning was amazing. I don't know about you guys. I was like, whoo, Yeah! This worship was amazing, and we can have these moments because Jesus died for us, because Jesus was our Passover lamb, that when judgment comes, God is going to pass over us because he sees that we're covered by the blood of the lamb. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful, beautiful picture? That no matter how great our sin was, you could be the worst person on the planet, or you could be the best person on the planet, and that same blood covers you, and that same blood allows you to commune with God. How beautiful a picture that is. Which brings us to our third need, the need for application. I'm assuming there's two kinds of people here, and I'm going to talk to the first kind first, and then, of course, after I'm going to talk to the second kind, because you don't go two and then one. But there's two kinds of people here. And so the first kind is maybe, maybe you have that, that blood sprinkled on your doorpost. Maybe, maybe you've accepted it. I was, I think, when I first fully understood the gospel, I was seven years old. My mom was sitting at the table, and she's like, Andy, you know, we're with God, but we, we went away from God, and so here's the... And, and that's when I fully decided I understood the gospel. And then, of course, you know, as time grew on, I come to fully understand it, and I came to accept Jesus as my own personal Savior. And so maybe you have a different story. Maybe you were like... I don't know, uh, the like biggest crime boss on the planet and then all of a sudden some dude talks to you about Jesus and then you felt that conviction and you understood Jesus died for my sins. Or maybe you're like me and your story is like, oh, well, my parents taught me Jesus. I've known it. I've lived in church my whole life and such and, you know, it's all good. 
And so I'm talking to that group first, that group that has already received Jesus. And so the thing is, oftentimes you might have received Jesus, but you're covering up your doorpost. You might have the blood on your doorpost, but you're covering it up with rags and, and, and with curtains and stuff so that people don't see it. I spent such a long time in the Christian closet because I was ashamed of what people would think about me if I was a Christian. And so maybe what, what does that look like? Maybe that means that that time that God gives you the opportunity to speak to someone and have that awkward introduction of the gospel. Maybe that means you're like, oh, I'm just not going to give the gospel to them. Or, or for me, so many times it was just, uh, I'll just invite him to church and I'll let the pastor do it. I don't want to give the gospel to him. I don't, that's an awkward conversation. Ooh. And, and uh, okay, little background information. I'm Filipino. Um, confrontation is literally the worst thing on the planet. If you're Filipino, you completely understand that. Confrontation is the worst for me. And so the actual having to talk to someone and say, hey, dude, I'm sorry, here's the fact. Like, I, I love you too much to let you continue in your sin. I love you too much that if you're going to continue in this, you're going to hell, and I don't want you to live like that. I want you to be with God. I want you to have that same, same freedom I have, that same joy that I have. So the first application is maybe share the gospel a little. Uh, I'm, I'm in charge of the campus ministry. If you want to share to students, come talk to me. Woo! There's a, there's a campus interjection, Pastor Mark. We're getting it. We're getting it. Campus is going to be saved, guys. Woo! Or maybe it's, it's just, you know, being comfortable with the fact that maybe I shouldn't go to that movie with the group. Or maybe if the group is going to the bar and they're having a, a couple drinks, maybe I should... Have water. I'm not saying drinking is wrong. I'm just saying having too much. It's, it's all your personal conviction. I, I don't want to get into that. I'm not smart enough theologically. <laughs> Maybe it's that, that you know, going, to the, going into this place and, and saying, you know, I'm going to live my life in this way because that's how Jesus has designed me to be. Because I know this saving grace I have and I don't need any of that sin that used to enslave me. And being open and excited about that and not being ashamed of having to say no or having to say, sorry, I live in a higher standard than that. Or maybe it's a step farther. And like I was saying earlier, saying, I don't have to live in that standard. I have a higher standard than that. And you can have a higher standard than that too. That, that, that neighbor or that coworker you work with or, or your classmate or whatever your walk of life is, that maybe there's that opportunity that you're given that you can interject. You can live at a higher standard. That God's got something better for you. That you don't have to be enslaved to that sin. And so God has given us this amazing opportunity to do that. And, and we, we've, we've understood that, this, this group I'm talking about. We've understood that and we, we know that we have this saving grace and this saving freedom. And so what God's asking for us, asking all, uh, is, is just that we take those covers off that doorpost. That, that sometimes we just not be ashamed of the fact that we couldn't have done it on our own. That we needed that Passover lamb to come and to save us. Or maybe you're in the second group. We're getting to the second group now. Whew, we're progressing. Maybe you're in the second group. And maybe this is your, your first time actually, you know, hearing the gospel or getting this, getting this full understanding of it. And maybe you never really understood before why you kept, kept rolling in this thing, kept, kept, uh, 
getting stuck in this, this awful cycle of doing something wrong and then understanding that it's wrong but not being able to fix it. Maybe, maybe the sad fact is you're just realizing, maybe the fact you're realizing now that you were once a slave to sin, that you were a slave to sin. But the beauty of it is that God has given us this grace, that God has given his own son, that Passover lamb, that, you know, we can, we can come to know him. That we can, we can come, to know, come to know him. That we, we don't have to live in that slavery anymore. There's countless people who have amazing testimonies of before living in that slavery and God freeing them of it and them being free and them being able to, to live their lives in this joy and in this freedom and in this, in this security of knowing that when that judgment comes, they're going somewhere that's so much better than this place. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you just you don't even really understand that concept, but you understand the fact that, you know, there's something out there and, and he's calling out to you. Um, I'd like to actually invite Pastor Mark up. We're, we're going we're gonna to give both groups an opportunity. If, you've, if, you'd, um, if, if you're part of the first group, um, if everyone can... We're, we're going we're gonna to take some time and pray for you guys. Uh, if you're part of the first group and you're really feeling like, like, you know, maybe God's calling you to do a bit, maybe God's calling you to do something. Maybe God's calling you to talk to that coworker or that person sitting next to you. Or maybe God's calling you to um, talk to your neighbor or something. We'd like to give you the opportunity and we'd like to pray for you that, that God will give you the courage to do it and God will give, open the opportunities. And not only that, God will give you the zeal to do it. Because I know I don't get excited about sharing the gospel sometimes. But I know that there is a God so much bigger than that that gives me that zeal to share. Um, and if you're part of that second group, we, we'd, love to pray. we'd love to pray with you too. Um, Pastor Mark. Thank you, Andy. Great message. Let's give Andy a hand. <laughs> yeah, powerful message for us. And I, I just want to bring that home with um, a picture that God gave me last Sunday during worship, just to help us see the need for a Savior, as Andy talked about. And maybe this will help encourage some of us to reach out to those who need a Savior, just to have a visual reminder of the spiritual condition uh, that people are in. Um, the picture that the Lord gave me was the picture of a coconut, and it was half open. And instead of being cut nicely like it would with that would happen if you opened it with a machete, it looked more like it had been shattered by a blow. And so it was all jagged on the edges, and inside the coconut was spoiling. And interesting in this picture, you ever see those yellow ribbons like at the airport to remember our troops when they go to war? Well, the coconut was sitting in that, imagine that ribbon upside down, and so the bottom has a loop. And the coconut is sitting in the bottom of the loop, and the little yellow ribbon crosses over the top of the coconut. And as I was meditating on that, I felt like the Lord was reminding me, um, you know, in the islands, uh, the coconut is very symbolic of the culture and the people. Uh, for those who may be younger and we live in such a consumer society, um, that may not be as relevant. <clears throat> but for those who are older, you know, you re we were taught when we were younger about the significance of the coconut. It's a source of food. Uh, it can be a source of shelter. Uh, you can make all kinds of things from it. You can use it as a source of fuel. Uh, you can make coconut oil, you can grind coconut, you can make coconut hats, baskets, 
bands, uh, you name it, all kinds of things. You can collect water from the tree. And it's such a symbol of, you know, I just love that symbol that Andy has on his shirt. You know, it's, it's the Guam seal. And there's a little sailboat in it. But in the real Guam seal, there's also a coconut tree. It's symbolic of life in the islands. And I just felt like the Lord was reminding us that, you know, people in the islands um, have been damaged by sin. Some of that has come through the sin of others, sometimes terrible events like war, like World War II, and many of our soldiers who, enro- who, who join the military and go off to war, and, and many of us experience the consequences of that, and that ripples out into the families as well. And there's, but the good news is this. Even though this condition is there, uh, the yellow ribbon is a reminder that God remembers each and every one of us. He doesn't forget the people in the islands. God loves us. And not only does he remember, more than that, he carries us. You know, that yellow ribbon carrying that coconut there, he carries us. He carries the weight of our sin. He carries the consequences of our sin. And he took the punishment for it. And there's, there's tremendous need out there. Even though on the outside, I mean, if we just look around this room, uh, you know, we're nice and we're clean and we're showered and we have nice clothes and everything looks good. But on the inside, in one way or another, everybody has a need. And I just want to encourage us to, to see people from God's perspective. And, you know, when we go about, as Andy mentioned, at work or we're at school or we're in the neighborhood, um, not to, you know, shy away but to take that step of faith and ask God for the courage to engage somebody and get to know them and just find out if God's doing something in their life and how can we encourage them to take the next step, whatever that might be for them, just to nudge them a little bit closer in their journey with God. Amen? And so if, if that sounds like something that God's tugging on your heart and saying, yeah, you know, I'd like to be in that place of being used by God, then I want to invite you just to have a time of prayer and ask the Lord to be at work through you, in you and through you, to touch the people around you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the simplicity of the good news. Lord, I thank you that even a young person can understand it. And, you are, and Lord, yet sometimes it's, it's awkward or difficult to be able to take the initiative, to be able to engage someone and get to know them, and find out what you're doing in their heart. But God, I pray that you would move us with compassion, that you would give us a heart for people who need you. And Father, I pray that you would help us to see them through your eyes, and I ask that you would give us your heart. Father, help us to feel the need and be moved by their need. God is waiting to bless someone on the other side of your obedience. Father, I thank you that you desire to reach people through your people. And you've given us uh, a great calling and and a destiny. And Lord, as Andy mentioned, we can't do it on our own. God, we need you, and so we ask you to fill us with your spirit and give us that ability to represent you, to be your witness. Father, we surrender to you and we yield to you. 
We ask you to have your way in us. God, we ask that you would help us overcome every hurdle, every hindrance, to find the freedom and the victory that is ours in Christ. And I'd like you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and I'd like to address that second group that Andy talked about. And if that describes you, if you're just for the first time getting a fuller understanding of this message, the good news that God loves you, loves you so much that he came to take your place on the cross, that if you're wanting to experience God because of how he made that way possible through Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him, to invite him into your life. And it's real simple. It really boils down to making a decision and just saying yes to God. And if that describes you, if that's something that you would like to do, then we're simply going to pray together and God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And if, and if that's something that you'd like to do, then I'd like you to look up. But when my eyes meet yours, then I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that's a prayer that, that you would like to pray, go ahead and look up at this time. Yes, I see you. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Don't want to miss anybody. Okay, let's pray. Father God, I'm here today, Lord, because I sense that need that Andy's been talking about. God, I do need you. And I'm here now, God, turning to you and turning away from all the self-effort that I've applied in the past and saying, God, I, I quit. I'm, I'm tired of trusting in my way. and God, I'm, I'm wanting your way, and I'm wanting you. And so today I'm making a decision to invite you into my life. I'm opening up my, my heart. I'm opening my mind and my spirit, and I'm inviting you to come in. I invite your Holy Spirit into mine, and I ask you to forgive me for my sin that I've been enslaved to all these years unable to solve it on my own Jesus I ask that you would bring it to the cross with Christ so that it's no longer alive and has power over me and that you would free me to live a new life God, would you make that transaction by your spirit within me? Reveal yourself and reveal your ways and give me a new start. God, I ask that you would show me how to live according to your word. I pray that you would reveal yourself to me and give me a brand new start. And I pray this in Jesus' name.